0: You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello and welcome to Form Now. I'm Taylor Kemp. With me is Dr. Ben Akers. Dr. Ben Akers, we're talking about St. Mary Magdalene today. Yeah, I love this series that we've been doing
1: on Catholic Saints. Mm-hmm. And people have responded, too. They've, they they've like appreciated getting to know the saints. These are our older brothers and sisters in Christ, yep. alive in Christ, in transformed heaven. Transformed by the love of God. Transformed by the love of God. And I always find it edifying, growing up, edifying, going through the different lives of the saints. I agree. And every time I read the lives of the saints, I'm like, that's amazing! Yep. Because they are so creative in the way that they live out faith, hope, and charity. And we all have the same three virtues infused to us by God, orient us to God, a gift given to us at baptism. Mm-hmm. And everyone's creative in how they live
0: it out. The saints are. Well, yes, I remember uh, listening for the first time to we have an audio drama on Saint Francis of Assisi, which eventually led me to choose him as my confirmation saint. I remember listening to the story, being like, "This is amazing! Like, it's so cool." There was uh, there were so many ways in which I related to it, and then I, but I do remember just being like, eh, "His time's a little different than ours." Uh, and then recognizing, you know, as the church teaches, that God is continually giving, helping people live out faith, open, charity in the time in which they actually find themselves and that like God is working for that time. And that's why the saints are inspiring, but it'll look different in our lives. Did you choose Saint Francis because he played calcio? I don't know what that is. Soccer. is that, okay. It's the time for soccer, man. Did he actually no, they didn't soccer? I was didn't gonna exist. say it probably yeah. existed. Yeah,
1: probably they kicked something they kick a leather around. ball or
0: something around. Yeah. No, honestly, the reason I liked it was because at the time I was playing professional soccer and I read um I read Into the Breach the Apostolic Exhortation from Archbishop Olmstead. Archbishop in Olmstead. In And he talks about some like great heroic male saints. And he talks about St. Francis. And he said one of the particular things about Francis was that he gathered a group of men around him and they all supported each other. And eventually that would become the Franciscans. And I remember like, hey, I'm surrounded by a group of men all the time because of my soccer team. And so I remember just really like, I, I just liked that. Like, I liked that Francis was like, how can I get other guys to do this? Take on this way of life with me. And I remember looking around and be like, I'm surrounded by a bunch of guys. I got to figure out how I can get them to take on this yeah. life with me. Uh, and then, like, there was some really, there were some ways in which that actually happened, which was really beautiful. So I read that was inspired uh, by that particular, not the. Did you say coucho Gaucho? Calcho? Calcho? Didn't? Wasn't that? And then, uh, and then I listened to the audio drama by the recommendation of a friend. And then. Now he's my confirmation saint. And
1: now you're working at an
0: apostolate. Yes. Catholic apostolate. Now I'm working at... This the, dream can be yours as well if you...
1: Surprising <laughs> professional be, soccer <laughs> And then now working at if a you find yourself playing professional
0: <laughs> soccer, you too can work at the Augustine Institute. Yeah. Dream, dreams great. come true. We take professional athletes, so... That's yeah. true. There was actually a really great moment. I had just left like the third lecture of Dr. Barber's on um, St. Pauline Epistles, St. Paul's Letters. And I remember thinking to myself, I would do, give anything to work here. Hmm. true story well thank you for giving your right arm i know you didn't need it because you so it. <laughs> <laughs> well
1: wow, that's really cool i didn't know that part of the story yeah it's a good story it's a good story that's beautiful well one of the saints <laughs> the, a beautiful saint that we're gonna talk about today saint mary magdalene saint mary magdalene she's one of my favorites i actually named one of my daughters after her so her middle name is marie Madeleine so the french version of mary magdalene and yeah her feast day is july 22nd her feast was, she's had, you know, been in the news, the church news more recently, because her, her feast day was raised to, from an optional memorial to a feast
0: day. So it's full-on feast day, so it's one to celebrate. It is, the, it, she is one to celebrate. She, I would say she's one of the more well-known. Yes. Uh, like a yes. lot of people have heard of Mary Magdalene. Yep. But the question is who is who is Saint? mary magdalene yeah we have we have her in the gospels
1: i like to go to the first passage that i go to so some of this is speculation so the, the early church fathers when they're writing and they're reading the scriptures and reading the scriptures they'll you know they they will the kind of the biggest kind of question mark is is mary magdalene the same as mary bethany mm-hmm. i think she is and i'm Can gonna make an argument for that uh but there's so many marys that you go to the gospels you you're want. like wait Okay, there's Mary, the mother of straight. Jesus, there's yep. Mary Magdalene, there's Mary Bethany, there's Mary the wife of you know so and so, and then yeah. there's Mary. And so you go through, and which is actually a <laughs> kind of a fun external proof that we did not make this up. Yeah, because
0: you're like, this was this would be bad storytelling. <laughs> yeah, like, this was Mary, and this was you're Mary. You're like, like when you get to the cross in John, you're like, I how many Marys are we talking yeah. okay, about? Okay, there's gonna be two Jameses,
1: <laughs> close friends, and and it's it's beautiful to see when you you know, because it's true, and they related who these people really were as yeah. historical figures. But these names, especially of the apostles, remind us of the the heroes of the Maccabees. Yeah. Really, like the Maccabees, Simon, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Judas. Judas. Yep. Mm-hmm. Judas Maccabeus. Yep. So, yeah. So, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Where? So, the first time we actually get introduced to Mary Magdalene is in Luke chapter 8. Okay. So, where she's first mentioned. Okay. But right before that, in Luke chapter 7, we have the story of the Gospel of Luke is telling about a sinner... A woman of the city, this is Luke chapter 7, and Jesus is dining at a Pharisee's house named Simon, not the Simon Peter, but a Pharisee named Simon, and she arrives with an alabaster flask of ointment to anoint Christ. Mm -hmm. And look at how Luke describes this scene, so I'm in Luke chapter 7, my Bible's falling apart, Luke chapter 7, verse 37. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. She learned that Jesus was sitting at table at the Pharisee's house. Brought an alabaster flask of ointment, standing beside him, behind him, at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Is there a particular word that jumps out of you, out at you, at that passage? Oh, that's repeated often.
0: Okay, let's see. I don't know. For me, yeah, go it ahead. It was feet. Okay, there is a lot of feet. There's a lot of
1: feet, yeah. right? And so this is you know, this is dusty roads, dirty roads, they're walking. And then Jesus says, Look, you know, when I came to show up at your house later, he's like when he, later in the story, he's like, You didn't anoint my feet, you didn't mm-hmm. wash me, you didn't anoint my head, you didn't greet me. And yet she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since mm-hmm. she since she arrived. And he gives this beautiful parable about those who've been forgiven much, will love, love much. More. But why is this woman right? So that's Luke chapter seven. Why is this woman so focused on the feet of Christ? Mm-hmm. And my theory that I'm reading scripture is that she's remembering the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 52. Okay. So Isaiah 40 to 66, the second half of Isaiah is called the, the book of consolation because mm-hmm. it begins, comfort, comfort my people. Mm-hmm. And it's the beginning of good news. So book of woe, chapters one through 39. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the book of good news. And one of the good news is how beautiful are the feet of him who brings the gospel. And what's the gospel in Isaiah 52? That God is reigning, that God is mm-hmm. returning, that God has forgiven the sins of his people. And so this is my theory, mm-hmm. is that this woman that's, that I think is Mary Magdalene is wiping and anointing the feet of Christ.
0: She recognizes, she recognizes that he's the one bringing the good bringing, news. And what's the good, the good news? news? It's
1: forgiveness. Mm. And he's, you know, she's much who has been you know, forgiven much, will love much. So, the reason that that then we think that this might be Mary Magdalene, and you know we're in good company, St. Gregory the Great, Pope St. Gregory the Great was one of these, is that the very time that we get introduced to Mary Magdalene as a character in the Gospels is in Luke chapter 8. So, after this scene, in Luke chapter 8, soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages preaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So, he's bringing the Gospel, mm-hmm. and the 12 were with him, so the 12 apostles, and also were some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. So it's a beautiful, we get a snapshot of what Jesus's ministry looks like as he's going town to town. Mm -hmm. He's actually going with the 12 apostles and many women who are supporting them in this role. So it's a beautiful image. And Mary Magdalene is listed here as one of the people that have followed Christ
0: and that seven demons had gone out of her. So, So this, yeah, this, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to push back a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, I like the theory. I'm, I'm gonna. Yep. I'll start there. That uh, that this woman recognizing that in Jesus' person the kingdom is coming, that He's bringing mercy, she responds by going to the feet of the one that's bringing the good news. However, w- wasn't it also customary to clean one's feet no, to for a servant to clean mm-hmm. one's feet when they entered into a home? Yeah. So, like, c- is it also like she? She first of all I'm actually you're supporting the yeah by saying that she's doing an act of
1: service. She is. And then she's followed, then she becomes following Jesus and doing acts of service. That's true.
0: But Also when when I first read this and you asked me what what stuck out to you yeah, yeah. actually what stuck out to me rather than like an actual word I was like she just came into this person's house and yeah, just started speaking right. yeah, yeah, right. like the boldness of of her level of service yeah. is like absolutely astounding like she has thrown out and like you know it sounds like she's had a really hard life. She has thrown out every concern with what people think of her, which is like such a necessary thing to really give one's heart entirely over to Christ. So she's an admirable model of that. Um, But so like, yeah, actually, I guess that would actually support what you're saying, that she, she recognizing something in him that she wants to fall at his feet and serve him. I was just thinking like that's a customary thing to do rather than she simply is living out the Old Testament passage mm-hmm. in a way that is not customary, I guess. I was just thinking these sure. two things are
1: congruent with each other. Well, and so this actually—so this is the connection between Luke 7 and Luke 8, the close connection between those two stories, is what led the early church fathers to connect these two okay. women. Not all agree on that, so I'm not just yep. saying this is a theory. I'm just going to argue my Speculative theory theology. I have the microphone. Speculative theology. Uh, but <laughs> but then uh, we we get to know her as Mary Magdalene, and actually, when the women are listed, if you read the rest of the Gospels, when the women that come and serve and follow Jesus are listed, she's always listed first. Interesting, seems, which was a way of giving
0: prominence. Giving like prominence. Peter. So
1: similar to like Peter is always listed yep. first in the list of apostles. Now, what does Magdalene mean? Well, we do we discovered archaeologically a town in the north sorry the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee called Magdala. Mm-hmm. So it could have been that she was from that town of Magdala. Uh, another possibility is that the Jewish rabbinical comment found in the Talmud, so interpretation, Jewish interpretation of the scriptures, mm-hmm. um, said that Magdalene uh, re- euphemistically referred to like so a curling of one's hair, euphemistically to prostitute. Right. Got so it. this is kind of one interpretation. Another possibility is that the Aramaic title, which means great or magnificent, so she'd be Mary the Great or magnificent. Hmm. And these are all according to the French historian Henri Daniel Ropes. And as he's looking at the passage, he thought that it was a playful Magdalene is a playful corruption of the Aramaic word for perfume. So Mary she becomes Mary the perfumer or Mary because the enjoyment. Yeah. Okay. So those those are all different theories about why the Magdalene. Are are you because, sticking with
0: with the
1: Well, so I think so then to push my to push yeah. another theory is I think that Mary Magdalene is Mary of Bethany. Mm-hmm. And when you meet Mary of Bethany in Luke's gospel, and she is the sister. So, Mary of Bethany is a sister of Martha mm-hmm. and the sister of Lazarus. So, this holy family of Bethany you have Mary,
0: Martha, and Why would they, why Lazarus. would, if, if in the gospel of Luke she's been called Mary of Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, why then the switch to Mary of Bethany? Well, he doesn't call her Mary of Bethany. Oh, we, we just know that that's the oh, town in which they in live. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, we say, like, oh, that's the Mary from Bethany. Oh, okay. I have an idea about that. It could be that if Magdalene, so maybe she's from Bethany, mm-hmm. and her then she leaves her family, goes to be a prostitute, right, or live a yeah. less different life in Magdala. She comes back to her home, and she reclaims kind of where she's from. Okay, That's one theory that I think is, is plausible. Okay. But if we look at the story of Mary Magdalene and Martha and Lazarus, so I'm not the only one out there that's kind of proposing this, but I want to make the argument, is the next time that we see Mary in the story, that Mary Bethany is at a dinner, Okay. So we meet her. Luke yep. seven dinner. Luke eight, she's walking around serving Christ and others, and she's at a dinner and she's at the house of her sister Martha. Okay. There's that famous story where Martha is preparing the meal and where is Mary sitting? This is Luke ten at his feet thirty nine at his feet. Yeah, so I think that one of the clues to read this is why one of my this is why I hold to this, this is the view is that we always see Mary at the feet of Christ. Okay, so she's at the feet of Christ and Martha tries to bring Jesus into a family dispute. Hey Lord, you tell her, you tell my sister, get her, to, to come help. and help me with the dishes. Yeah, yeah. I love that. He's like, it's such how do we tell the Lord? Like, like you need to do this, Lord. Yeah. Like as or, if he doesn't know. Lord, what's you going need to tell this
0: other person to do a little bit more. Yeah, yes,
1: exactly. We tell the Lord what to do, and and I love that line. Martha, Martha, you're you know you're troubled and anxious about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chose the better part. So the better part is to sit at the feet of Jesus, mm-hmm. who is the good news of the Father. And what's he doing? He's preaching. He's teaching. Mm-hmm. So I see she's at the feet, and it's
0: connected to the gospel. It's connected to good news. Can I actually give a nice little plug that yeah. this is an argument that Bram Petrie made? And oh, yeah. He has a I've book heard. called Introduction to the, Sp- the Spiritual Life, and he, he talks about the scene and how the, uh, through the Church Fathers particularly used the that line of Christ, of, you're worried about many things. One thing is necessary. She has chosen the better portion. That, that's prayer, contemplative prayer. Is mm-hmm. like That's been tied to that often. But it, what's fascinating, that I had never heard anyone else make this argument, uh, is Dr. Petrie notes that the Lord does not rebuke her for her action, it's for doing her action in anxiety. I was like, mm-hmm. that's a fascinating thing to think about.
1: Just that like, good. Oh, that's beautiful. I, yeah, I haven't gotten to that part yet. It's a wonderful book, though, Introduction to the, the Spiritual, Life. Spiritual Life by Dr. Brian Petrie. I do, uh, I do remember a quote from St. Jose Maria Escrivá, where he says that, yeah, Martha's not rebuked for doing the dishes, preparing the meal. She hasn't listened to Christ while she's doing the and dishes. And she's
0: distracted. That's the other thing is yeah. it says you're distracted and anxious mm-hmm. about many things. Yeah, so we can find that's Christ the among problem. the pots and pans. That's, that's right. kind of a famous yep.
1: saying of Teresa of Avila, <laughs> to find Christ among the pots and pans. Yep. So, we Sorry. Can, so I do No, no, do no that's there. great. No, so we can presume that Mary chose the better portion the rest of her life. Yeah. And the next time we see Mary and... Martha and Lazarus is in John, mm-hmm. when their brother Lazarus passes away. Word is sent to Christ, and he comes, and Lazarus has already passed, and that's a beautiful scene in John 11. Mm-hmm. But look how consistent it is with the Luke's, of John's portrayal of the story with Luke's telling of the story. So if if this is the same Mary and Martha and Lazarus mm-hmm. from Luke 10, mm-hmm. it is. Okay, we didn't even hear about Lazarus in Luke 10, John 11, he's in the tomb, he's dead. right? So, but who goes out to meet Christ and like demand that he do something Mary. in the story of John 11? Mary. No, it's Martha. Oh, it's Martha. Martha, Lord, Martha if you were here... Out, Mary yeah. stays home. Yeah, yeah. so lo- Lord, Lord, if you would have yeah. done something, if you had been here, he would not have died. Yep. And then the beautiful exchange on the resurrection of life, it really is beautiful. And uh, Mary's back contemplating. He says, go get Mary, and then Mary comes. So Mary's used to be waiting for Christ to call her, and then she responds. And then they had a beautiful resurrection scene. So, um, you know, foreshadowing his own impending resurrection, death, and then resurrection from the death, dead. So then a week before, we have Jesus' death and resurrection. Mary anoints Christ at a dinner again. Three of the four evangelists recount the scene. It takes place right before Christ's triumphal entry into um, Jerusalem, mm-hmm. so the eve of Palm Sunday's. And Mary cra- carries an alabaster flask of pure nard mm-hmm. an ointment, and anoints the entire contents of Christ's head and feet. And this is very expensive uh, ointment, from, a root from India, to a year's wages at least. And then her extravagance of loving Christ, everyone complains about. Mm-hmm. Because like, no, the money could be spent on yeah, the poor, yeah. right? And Judas is selfish because he steals from the poor. We got this insight that John that Judas John tells us that Judas is a thief. But Jesus says, no, her action is prophetic because she's preparing me for my burial. Because his lifeless body will be taken down from the Mm -hmm. cross and not have a proper burial. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's also prophetic. Mary's anointing is also prophetic, is that she foreshadows Christ's complete self-offering on the cross. Mm -hmm. So she spends Mm -hmm. this entire costly ointment, her life savings, upon Christ. In his passion, he's going to pour out his whole and precious life. Okay. And the beautiful thing is John, proving that he's an eyewitness of the account, says the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. Jesus' death, this precious death, will fill the entire world with the beautiful mm. fragrance of the gospel. And Mary's action is so important that Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, what she mm. did for me will be told in memory of her. Yeah, And it's true. We we still have this story that's yep. carried it's down to told. us today. Yep. So Jesus uh, is crucified is on the cross. Who's at his feet? We have John the Apostle, Mary, the mother mother of Jesus, Jesus. Mary Magdalene. She's at his feet. When his body is taken down from the cross and they lay him in the tomb where she's probably keeping vigil, at his feet, Mm -hmm. right? As they're laying the body into the tomb. And then early Sunday morning, early Sunday morning of the Easter Sunday, she goes to give Jesus's body a respectful burial it deserves. And she gets, you know, she wants to Another chance to anoint him, mm-hmm. and she comes with her ointments and spices. But she finds the tomb empty. She runs, and uh, you know G- the beautiful encounter of her Jesus calling Jesus her by the name. He's the gardener, Miriam. Yeah. Mar- he calls her, mm-hmm. you know, Miriam. Like uh, and represents the name. She comes to him, and even if the Gospels didn't tell us, we would have been tracking with Mary Magdalene's story. We would have known where what she would do next when she meets our Lord. And Matthew twenty-eight ten says that. Jesus greets her, and she took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Mm. So we see Mary at the feet yeah, of Christ, Christ and through, why? Through and through. Okay, through and through. Good argument. Why? Because beautiful are the feet of him who brings the gospel, the good news. She sees the good news of the resurrection. She had the good news of mercy in her life. And then what does Jesus tell her to do? Go and tell the apostles. And, she, yep. and so she's the one now running... And her hmm. feet are now beautiful as the one who runs nice. to tell the good news. And we have the beautiful title of Mary called The Apostle to the Apostles, the one who brings the good news of the gospel to the world. And she brings the good news to the apostles who then bring it to the world.
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful uh, working out a, a, of a in this woman's life, uh, of something that is true for each one of us, which is that, you know, like you've you've heard the phrase of mission flows from identity but that recognizing that like when we're close to Christ, we sit at His feet, we receive His life, we receive His teaching, we we fall in love with Him, that the response of that is then we're sent out to share mm-hmm. that, and, and that Mary is a great example of that. This is yep. a good argument. Okay. I, right. So the
1: argument against that would be... So argument yeah, for, before it was, so we never had the Feast Day of Mary of Bethany on the mm-hmm. calendar, liturgical calendar. So the liturgical argument would be, we have Mary Magdalene on July 22nd, we have Martha in mm-hmm. July 29th. But there's no Mary of Bethany. Mm-hmm. But Mary's the one who chose the better part. Why is Mary not on the liturgical calendar? Okay. To remedy that, Pope Francis actually added to Martha's feast day on July 29th, Mary of Bethany and Lazarus. Mm-hmm. So an argument against it would be like, well, like so he's saying that she isn't. However, to that I say, well, she can have more than one feast. Yeah. <laughs> there are apostles that have more than yeah, one feast. True. Mary has lots of feasts. Mary the mother of Jesus, yes. Peter has more than one feast. John the Baptist has more than one feast. Paul's conversion has a feast. Paul's conversion has a feast.
0: Mary, the apostle to the apostles, she has more than one feast. Okay, I like it. All right, so what what are some main takeaways? I mean, you've talked about that, but to to kind of tie a bow on this, what are some main takeaways that we can learn, gain from, or pray to St. Mary Magdalene for? Yeah, stay close to Christ.
1: Stay close to to always be learning from Him. Whenever we have trouble, anxiety, um, go to Him, sit at His feet to, to learn His teaching, and we get His teaching through going to Mass and hearing the Word of God proclaimed, from receiving Him in the Eucharist, by going to Eucharistic adoration. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Magdalene would be an example of someone who was tormented by seven demons mm-hmm. and was healed of that. So to pray for those who are oppressed, and for her intercession, for those who are oppressed mm-hmm. by demons. And if, and if we were oppressed by demons, to ask her you know, special grace, uh, through Christ's power of His blood, to, to drive out demons in our life. Um, I think, an example of repentance. We're all sinners. Mm -hmm. That's right.
0: And she would be a great example. His mercy, his mercy and repentance. And to
1: receive that as good news.
0: Like, this is news that will change your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. Yeah. It's a good argument. Thanks. St. Mary Magdalene. Pray for us. Pray for us. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org.